This is Dina Weiss for Hadar on Parashat Acharimot. Entry and Entitlement. This week's parasha describes the ceremonial procedure of the first Yom Kippur in the Mishkan. Though we think of Yom Kippur as a yearly day of atonement, in the Torah, Yom Kippur is framed as a reaction to a very specific incident, the sin and death of Nadav and Avihu, Aaron's oldest sons. The death of Nadav and Avihu's sons is not only tragic, but also mystifying. Why is God so enraged by their offering of a strange fire? Why does the fact that it was not requested make it so loathed? Were they not trying to come close to God? Is this not a gift? The death of Nadav and Avihu is also deeply personal for us. We want to feel that we can be religiously creative, that we can bring God more than what God asks. When Nadav and Avihu die as a result of this attitude, it is terrifying because we identify with them. Nadav and Avihu are us. Not only that, but we identify them with the most religious version of ourselves, who we are when we want to meet God with genuine enthusiasm. Their death is therefore both haunting and destabilizing. Yet, Nadav and Avihu's sin also corresponds to the worst part of ourselves. They do not only reflect our virtuous desire to give, they also mirror our selfish desire to possess what is not rightly ours. A closer examination of their sin yields that Nadav and Avihu were not being thoughtful at all. Just the opposite, they were thoughtless, careless, and disrespectful. Their action demonstrated that they thought of everything as theirs to give, which just barely masks their understanding that everything is also theirs to take. In their approach to the world, everything in it belongs to them. In order to understand where Nadav and Avihu went wrong, we need to look at how the first Yom Kippur ceremony was designed to address and correct their misguided approach. In the very introduction to the laws of Yom Kippur, we see Aharon atoning for the transgression of his two sons. God spoke to Moshe after the death of Aharon's two sons, who died in their approaching before God. God said to Moshe, Speak to your brother Aharon, that he may not come at any time into the holy, inside the divider, facing the cover of the Aharon, and he will not die except for when I appear in a cloud on the cover. God explains to Moshe that Aaron may only come into the holy at a designated time. Only when God signifies through his cloud that Aaron is welcome, may Aaron cross the divider. We can infer from this remedy that Nadav and Avihu's transgression was not the bringing of a strange fire mentioned in Parshat Shemini, but rather the fact that they entered the Holy of Holies uninvited in order to bring it. They did not respect God's space and the boundaries that he put into place. They felt that they could enter whenever they pleased. When Aaron only enters at the time that God designates and is respectful of that boundary, he shows that he is unlike his children. Aaron recognizes what they did wrong and will not himself repeat it. 
This does not explain, however, why Nadav and Avihu transgressed in the way that they did. Why was it not obvious to them that they could not enter the holy whenever they so desired? According to Vayikra Rabbah, the violation that Nadav and Avihu committed was not an isolated incident. It was part of a pattern that Nadav and Avihu had of not respecting God, which began much earlier at the revelation at Har Sinai. At the beginning of Parshat Mishpatim, God summons Moshe up the mountain to receive the Luchot, the tablet inscribed with the law. Moshe was accompanied part of the way up by his brother Aharon, some of the elders of the people, and notably his nephews, Nadav and Avihu. Vayal Moshe, Vaharon, Nadav, Vaavihu, Vishiv Imizikne Yisrael. Vayiruat Elohe Yisrael, Vatachat Raglav, Kemaase Livnata Sapir, Ucheetem Hashamayim La Tohar. Vel Atile Vene Yisrael, Losha Lachyado, Vayachazuat Elohim, Vayochlu, Vayishtu. Moshe and Aaron, Nadav and Avihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel ascended. They saw the God of Israel, and beneath God's feet was something made like a sapphire brick, as blue as the sky itself. But God did not send forth his hand to the dignitaries of the children of Israel. They gazed at God, and they ate and drank. The Midrash below identifies the unnamed dignitaries in verse 11, who were unharmed by seeing God, as Nadav and Avihu, who scaled the mountain in verse 9. And the Midrash further explains that the reason why the Torah says that God did not send forth his hand to harm them is because they were in fact deserving of divine retribution. It is only because they were liable for the death penalty that it is noteworthy that God chose not to kill them. The Midrash understands the conclusion of verse 11, where they gazed at God and then ate and drank, as the reason why Nadav and Avihu deserved such a drastic punishment. V'od min Ve'el atzilei v'nei Yisrael lo shalachet yado. Amar Rabbi Pinchas, mikan shahayu v'uyin lahashlachat yad. Vayechazu et ha'elohim, ki adam shemibit b'chavero mitoch ma'achal u'mishta. Amar Rabbi Tanchuma, melamed sheparu et roshehen, v'gisu libam v'zanu enehem min ha'shechina. And more from this verse but he did not send forth his hand to harm the dignitaries of the children of Israel. Rabbi Pinchas said, From here you know that they deserved to be harmed. They gazed at God like a person who gazes at their friend while eating and drinking. Rabbi Tanchuma says this teaches that they uncovered their heads and they allowed themselves to behave coarsely and satisfied their eyes with God's presence. According to this Midrash, Nadav and Avihu were not at fault for the fire that they brought at the dedication ceremony, but for the inappropriate and invasive attitude that they had, of which barging into the Holy of Holies was a continuation. Their sin was a product of their arrogance and sense of entitlement. They couldn't comprehend that there are things that they shouldn't know, that not everything is appropriate for their eyes. Though God does invite them up the mountain and does reveal himself to them, they should have piously averted their eyes. Nadav and Avihu's attitude of arrogance and privilege not only manifested itself as rudeness towards God, it was also expressed in a shockingly proprietary approach that they took towards other people. In Parashat Bimidbar, the Torah recounts the descendants of Aharon 
and includes Nadav and Avihu, along with the fact that they did not have any children. The Midrash then suggests that their not having had children is another possible explanation for their sin. Because they did not have children, which is written next to their deaths, as it says, Nadav and Avihu died, and they didn't have any children. Abba Shaul says, because they did not have wives, as it says, the Kohen will atone for himself and his household, and because they were unmarried, they would not have a household of their own. Rabbi Levi said they were very pompous, and they would say, what woman is appropriate for us? And many women were sitting chained and waiting for them. And Nadav and Avihu would say, our father's brother is the king, our father is the high priest, our mother's brother is a prince, we are high-ranking Kohanim. Which woman is appropriate for us? And further from this verse, he said to Moshe, Come up to God, you and Aharon, Nadav and Avihu. This comes to teach that Moshe and Aharon were walking first, and Nadav and Avihu were walking behind them, and they were saying, Eventually these old men will die, and we will be the authorities over the people in their stead. Nadav and Avihu were the most eligible bachelors of the Jewish people at the time, and they were quite aware of their status. So obsessed were they with their own pedigree that they could not imagine that any woman would be good enough for them. But this attitude also had a damaging effect on others. The Midrash describes the women of the generation as agunot, women who are chained and unable to marry anyone else. The word that the Midrash uses to describe Nadav and Avihu's arrogance, shechatzim, can also mean that they acted in an obscene way. They weren't content to inappropriately satisfy themselves spiritually. They also felt at liberty to satisfy themselves physically, at the expense of the freedom and happiness of the young women of Israel. These women were either legally or socially bound to Nadav and Avihu, who ostensibly promised them that they would be their wives, but in fact did not have any such intentions. They acted in a proprietary way towards these women, without any consideration for the reputation of these women, the feelings of these women, or their future. Nadav and Avihu did, however, think about their own future, and were salivating over the moment when their father and uncle would die, and they would take over their positions. As they are walking up the mountain about to see God's presence, they are not humbled by the experience. To the contrary, they are emboldened by the experience. They have the audacity to compare themselves to Aaron and Moshe and assume nonchalantly that this greatness would eventually be theirs. Of course, because they were so certain that this leadership and honor would obviously become theirs, they ended up not inheriting positions of authority.
the Talmud in Nadarim notices that this phenomenon is actually quite common. More often than not, the rabbis found that they too had sons who should have inherited rabbinic leadership, but did not. And they question why this is the case. Their answer might help us to further unpack Nadav and Avihu's error and begin to lead us to a corrective. Amar Yosef, Rav Rav Omer, Marzutra Omer, Rav Ashi Omer, Mishum de Chamre, Ravina Omer, And why do we not find that Torah scholars produce more Torah scholars from among their children? Rav Yosef said, so that they will not say that the Torah is an inheritance to them. Rav Sheshef, the son of Rav Izi, says, so that they will not act presumptuously towards the community. Marzutra says, because they arrogate power to themselves over the community. Ravashi said, because they call people donkeys. Ravina said, because they do not make the initial blessing over learning Torah. According to the various opinions in the Talmud, the children of Torah scholars don't themselves become Torah scholars because they are arrogant. They think of the Torah as their inalienable right, and they don't appreciate it. This lack of appreciation is expressed beautifully in the opinion of Ravina, who says that they do not make blessings over the study of the Torah. Blessings are, according to Masechet Brachot, the key to looking at God's whole world every single day as being a gift from God and not something that we deserve. To know Rabbanan, Asor lo la'adam min ha'olam hazeh belo bracha, v'chol min ha'olam hazeh belo bracha, Ma'al. Rabbi Levi, Rami, Chitiv Ladonai Ha'aretz Umloa, Uchitiv Hashamayim Shamayim Ladonai, Vehaaretz Natan Livne Adam. Lokashia, Kan Kodem Bracha, Kan Laachar Bracha. Our rabbis taught, It is forbidden for a person to benefit from this world without making a blessing, and anyone who does so has misappropriated temple property. Rabbi Levi juxtaposed, Two verses. It is written, To God is the earth and its fullness. And it is also written, The heavens are God's heavens, and the earth was given to human beings. And he answers, There's no contradiction here. The first verse is before one makes a bracha, and the second verse is after one makes a bracha. According to this Breita and Brachot, the world does not belong to us, everything is God's. The whole world is His holy property and His place. Therefore, when we take from the world without appreciating it, that is mi'ilah, misuse of sanctified property, which belongs to God. And Rabbi Levi explains that the world is fundamentally God's, but that we can be granted it through the understanding that it doesn't belong to us. By making a blessing and acknowledging that the world is not owed to us, then we become allowed to use it. Nadav and Avihu did not make this blessing. They did not have the approach that blessing-making expresses and reinforces. When they brought their gift to God, they did so in a way that was reflective of their generally arrogant, possessive, and unappreciative way of being in the world. They stole from God and then tried to re-gift it back to Him. Unfortunately, the way the Nadav and Avihu acted in the Mishkan and the attitude that they displayed there is not an attitude that is unique to them. 
They do, in fact, mirror us and the way that we often act in and interact with the world. The comparison is not flattering. We need to learn from their negative example to be grateful for the physical world and to treat ourselves as its custodians. We need to learn that we do not belong everywhere and not everything belongs to us. We also need to be careful not to act presumptuously towards other people. Sometimes a paternalistic and proprietary approach can manifest as generosity and good intentions, but it needs to occur to us that we and our offerings might not be welcome. We need to knock before entering and tread gently, being respectful of the wishes of others and the wishes of God. We need to adopt the understanding that our presence, our opinions, and even our help and good advice are not always welcome. We need to step back and ask, is this a gift for the recipient or are we burdening them with what we want to bestow? We need to knock before entering and tread gently, being respectful of the wishes of others, the wishes of God. We need to adopt the understanding that our presence, our opinions, even our help and good advice are not always appropriate. We need to step back and ask, is this a gift for the recipient or am I burdening them with what I want to bestow? The world and everything in it belongs to God and is given to us through his love and grace. When we understand that, we bless him. And when we bless him, we grow in our understanding of all that we do not own. We need to be attuned to how to behave appropriately towards God and towards one another, respecting divine and interpersonal boundaries. When we act as entitled owners, we misunderstand our place in God's world. The lesson of Nadav and Avihu is designed to heal us of that sense of ownership and replace it with a sense of gratitude. Wishing you a Shabbat of respect and appreciation. Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for listening to our weekly Debray Torah. To see more from our archive, please visit hadar.org slash Torah.